Would you bow your heads? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of your wisdom that guides our lives, and we pray today as we study your word that indeed that would happen, that you would call us and we would respond, that we would go higher and deeper with you because your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Your ways ways are much, much, much deeper than ours. So please, Father, as we gather today, may your spirit speak to us through your word, and we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this guy, Mark Twain, once said this. He said, the two most important days of your life are the day you were born. Let's stop there. Of course, we all agree, right? The day we're born, our birthday is important, right? Anybody have a birthday today? Okay, good. You guys don't have to listen to me try to sing that song then, right? Okay, but we, you know, even at my age... You know, I want somebody to recognize my birthday. I like, you know, on Facebook or whatever. It's not my birthday, but whenever it happens, it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't want that day to go by without somebody noticing that I'm alive. Do you? It's an important day because it signifies the beginning of life and and the beginning and potential of what we could accomplish as people. But what's the second most important day or the next most important day? Because Twain said there were two. Well, it's pretty interesting because he says it this way, the day you find out why. The day that you find out why you were born is important. Now, do you celebrate that? I suspect not because most of us are still trying to figure it out, right? We're still working on the answer. We, we still have a question as to why we are here. And, and it's, a, it's a natural question. All of us ask it. It's one of the biggest questions in our lives. Why on earth am I here? What is my purpose is another way it's asked. And I think we're hardwired to ask that question. In fact, we do it with little kids. We say, what do you want to be when you grow up? Not what do you want to do. What do you want to be when you grow up? You ever get asked that question when you're a little kid? Do you ever ask that question? We love that because there's this potential in a life and you're sitting there going, wonder, and you're wondering with them. Like the future, what will it hold for this child? I remember working on this as a kid myself, you know. At six years old, I remember the, the first time I made a commitment. I said, this is who I'm going to be. I, and I just thought, oh, I have to be this person. And it was Rusty on Ren 1010. <laughs> now, you haven't thought of that show in a long time, I'll bet. Even if you know it existed, you'd have to be really old like me to really even know that that was a show. But I had that outfit. I had the hat. I had the scarf and the shirt and the pants with the stripe down the side. And my mom had to peel it off me every night because I wouldn't take it off even to sleep. And she'd wash it and then I'd put it on. And I just loved the idea that I could be a little boy and I had a dog. And a little boy and a dog who makes the world a better place. That's who I wanted to be as Rusty. Now, I asked my wife. I said, uh, who did you want to be? And she goes, well, you know, I grew up in a Catholic school, so I wanted to be a nun. <laughs> About the time that Sally Fields took off. Okay, some of you got that. Some of you know that show. Well, you know, and I said to her, I said, you know what? Really, I'm really glad you didn't pursue that because that would have been a real limiter for our relationship, you know? (laughs) Absolutely would have been a killer for that. But, you know, we're hardwired to figure this out. Why are we here? Why on earth am I here? What is my purpose? What is my calling? And as we grow up, we plug all kinds of things into our lives to try to answer that question. Work and hobbies and school and sports and family and even church. You see, our calling is bigger than our career. It's bigger than anything else. The reason why God put us here, and he gets to 
tell us what that calling is. Oftentimes we get it backwards. We plug all this stuff in and it ends up draining our lives. We'd be far better off to say, okay, God, what do you want to do with this life? And, and listening to him. Last week we were introduced to this book uh, by Michael Hyatt. And it's, it's called The Best Year, Your Best Year Ever. And it was five steps, five steps that you need to follow in order to have your best year ever. And the number one step is to know your why. Do you know your why? Do you know why you're here? Do you know why God made you as a person? It's so incredibly important because let's see what happens. Michael Hyatt said this, if you don't know your why, right, you're going to lose your way. He says, people lose their way when they lose their why. Have you lost your why this morning? Are you at a point in life where you're wondering, why am I here? What is this all about? See, God wants you to know today that he doesn't want you just to have your best year ever. He wants, to have, he wants you to have your best life ever. Every one of your days in the future, he wants you to know your why. And so the truth that we want to look at, the thing that, uh, well, the world might think is, is, is not really true, especially if it comes from Christianity, is that my life is not, it's not futile. Now, if I came up from England, I'd say futile, right? I kind of like that. But my life is not futile. No, not at all. And yet, the world does not believe Christianity has the answer to the meaning of life. Did you know that? And yet we believe that we do. Futility is a problem in our world. And yet people are not looking to Christians to solve this problem. They think that what we have is foolishness and that nothing could be further from the truth. Futility is just, you know, it's the idea that you're not going to produce any useful results, all right, that, that, that we're pointless in our life. It's pointless. Now, our, our lives are not pointless, but I can certainly understand why the world struggles with this because, you know, the world teaches that you're an accident. That's, that's where we came from. We're all an accident. It's natural selection. Natural selection means there is no reason to be alive. It's, your, it's an accident. There's no purpose. And, of course, that leaves us empty. And we see that suicide rates among <laughs> kids and even people who are 50 and older now are on the rise because they've lived a while and they're still asking the question, why am I here? What does this all mean? And the answers that the world has just doesn't satisfy. It doesn't give meaning and purpose. And so we need to wrestle with this and ask this question. If my life is not futile, then I have to understand what is the meaning of life. What is my purpose. Why am I here? It's not a new problem. Solomon had it. He lost his way because he lost his why. And he, he, he wrote this. He says, meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. This is from the man who has all the wealth, all the wisdom, and all the women that he could ever want. Kind of puts a new spin on WWW, doesn't it? The idea that Solomon had everything, and yet he says it's meaningless. In fact, he said in the second chapter of Ecclesiastes, he says it's like chasing the wind. He says, I chased it all and I never found it, even though he had everything. And that's a description of our lives today. It's a description of our world today. We have so much, and yet we have yet to find our why. And Jesus has some good news for us today. He says, if you follow me, 
say, you'll never lose your way because you're never going to lose your why. Because I'm going to give it to you. You don't look inside to find that. Some people try to do that. They say, oh, you know, I'm going to look deep inside. And the deeper they go, the messier and uglier it gets. They're never going to find your why there. You need to go back to the person who created you purposefully. He created you for a reason. You're not an accident. You see, there are no, hear this, there are no accidental children. There's only accidental parents. You were made for a purpose. And that's the why that you and I, that's the why that we need to understand. Let's look at this verse. Let's study this. And by the way, you have a sermon notes page this week. And if you want to pull that out, there's several verses there that you might want to read along. You can take that home and study it. I heard the statistic, and it kind of shocked me, so I'm making you guys take notes, that you're going to forget 95% of anything you don't write down today by Wednesday. So, okay, get the pens out, okay? All right. Let's look at this verse, Romans 8.28. We've looked at it many times, and we know that for those who love God, God, love God, all things work together for good. We know that for those who love God, okay, there's a prerequisite, there's a premise to the promise, all right? In other words, If you're in love with God, he can take your life, all things, and work them together for good. What all things? Well, even as we've been learning, death is not final, right? My past is not fatal. My pain is not fruitless. My behavior is not fixed. He can take my entire life, no matter where I am, no matter how long I've been not following him. If I say, I love you, God, I want to follow, he'll take it all and work it together for what? For good, for his purpose. You see, we don't get to define good, do we? He does. And he'll work it. Whatever he can do with what you have in your life, your past, everything about it, he's going to work it for good. Now, what's so amazing about this is he's calling us. And and we get a view of what it means, this goodness means, when we look at the second half of the verse. We're called according to our purposes. No. No. His purpose. He's calling us to live in accordance with, in agreement with what he has planned. So in your sermon notes, circle the word called and purpose because those two words go together. And we need to always remember we're being called for a reason. He's calling for his purpose, not ours. He's calling you. He made you specially to fulfill the purpose he has in mind. You know, we look at the the prayer in Ephesians 1 that Paul prays. He says, I pray that your hearts would be flooded with light because we need wisdom in order to hear this and receive it and live it. So light has to shine into our hearts to reveal that, in fact, this is life. It's not looking inside of yourself for your why. It's letting God illuminate your heart that you might understand his. So you can understand the confident hope, which is what comes from, confident hope comes from, Knowing your why. Because you can live every day on purpose. Not yours, but God's. And it's bigger than your career. Anything else that's going on, it includes all of those things. But your purpose, God's purpose for your life, is to participate in what he's doing. We're in a love relationship with God in order to participate in his kingdom building. And he wants to give that hope, that confident hope, to those that he calls. 
You know, the, the Bible is just a book filled of, with stories of people being called and responding. They, they, they not only are called, but they respond. People like, well, Noah and Abraham. And A.M., A.M. Kings and the prophets and Peter and Paul and Mary. Well, some of you had a flashback to the 60s. <laughs> All right. Some of you are as old as I am. That's right. And so every character in Scripture, you read their story and God's saying, come, call. I'm calling you into a life that I have planned for you for my purpose, that it might, my will and my kingdom might come. And so our story is one of being called. And the question that I have for you today is are you going to answer that call? <coughs> you know when a call comes in on your phone? You have a choice, don't you? You got a red button and a green button if you got an iPhone. You could say yes or no to the call. Calls come in, you know, like we have a landline in our house. Anybody have a landline yet? A, a few of you. We're like in love with our number. We've had it for 30 years. We're not going to get rid of it. But, you know, I never answer the phone, the landline. Never, ever. Because I know the only people calling me there are people I don't want to talk to, you know. People really know me. They have my cell phone number. But I still have a choice when the phone rings because it's an interruption, right? And I can say, oh, I don't want to talk to them right now. Can I encourage you never to do that to God? And you know it. I know, I know, I know it. I feel it. I know when God's saying, okay, come on. This is something I want you to do. This is a place I want you to go. This is the path you should follow. This is what I've designed you for. And I'm saying, oh, I'm afraid. I'm busy. I'm tired. I'm, I'm old. <laughs> and see, don't say no. Don't let that go to voicemail. It's God. He's calling you. So let's, let's talk about that call for a minute. Three things about the call. First of all, very important, my calling is a gift from God. It's a gift. A lot of people, they will, wait, no, no, calling, that would restrict my life. It would confine my life. It would limit my life. Because I have all these things that I want to do, and if I followed God's call, I might end up doing things over here, and I might never get to my agenda. Exactly. That's the point. It's a gift because God knows what's best for us. You see, we have a why. We think of our why, but what did we learn already about our whys? Our whys often lead us to despair, to meaninglessness, to lack of purpose. And, and God's saying, look, it's a gift. I want to give it to you, a gift. And you take it. It's, it's, it's a gift of grace. In fact, that's what, that's what Galatians 1, 6 says. It says that God, by his grace through Christ, called you to be his people. And he gives you this gift, and he says, here, open it up. Check it out. Put it on. Try it on. And so many people are saying, you know, I'm, I'm even afraid to open that package. I don't even want to look inside, because I know the implications. But for those that do, and, and open it up, and don't return the gift, and say, God, I prefer not to right now. I'm not going to answer your call right now. Those who put it on and say, look, I'm going to live for you, they receive the confident hope that we just spoke of. They get it, and they live every day on purpose. They don't cry out like Solomon and say it's meaning, life is meaningless. It's purposeful. Let's look at point number two. I was called before I was born for God's unique purpose. I want you to think about this. God has a work plan over here. I can just kind of vision this, you know, probably a whiteboard or something. And he's 
you know, doodling. He's saying, okay, we've got to do this, and we're going to do this, and this, and this. He says, you know, I'm going to need a unique person to get this done, this stage of what I'm doing. And he's saying, you know what? This person's going to be born. I'm going to make a unique person, a specific person with the right gifts, abilities, passion, shape, the whole deal, personality. I'm going to make that person to fulfill that purpose, to get this work done. That's what the scriptures teach us. Look at this verse from Ephesians 2.10. We've looked at it many times. This is, for we are his workmanship. We are actually his masterpiece. Anybody ever look at you kind of in disdain and say, uh, boy, you're a real piece of work? <laughs> yeah, and you, you just say, yeah, I'm a real piece of God's work. What do you think about that? You know, that's your comeback now. Because you are. I am too. I'm a unique piece of God's work. I'm his masterpiece. What? Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to, go, to do the things that he's prepared, the things that he designed for me. And look, he prepared them beforehand that we should walk in them. He prepared them uniquely for me as a person that I should walk in them. And he did this even before we were born. Look at this Galatians passage. He says, for it pleased God in his kindness to choose me and call me even before I was born. He had all this in mind for you. It's an amazing thing to think that God has all of that thought out and worked out and that he can take you no matter where you are and put you on the path to your purpose. A lot of people say, oh, well, what if I messed up? And remember, he works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He can take you from wherever you are and put you on that path. It's a promise from Scripture that gives us confident hope. Let's look at this th number three. I must work with God to fulfill my calling. I wish this wasn't true. I wish that there was no discipline required to experience God's call. I wish that it just happened. I wish I could just show up and, and go to church an hour a week and just say, okay, I'm good. But it doesn't work that way. We've got to work with God. We've got to work out as he works in us. That's what scripture says. Let's look at this. It's so important. Philippians, he says, continue to work out your salvation Work out. You know what a workout is, right? What happens when you work out? You sweat. At least I do if I'm working hard enough. And, and what are the results of a workout? I get healthier. I get stronger. I'm more confident. I have ability to do things because I work out. I get better numbers for my doctor. Physically, when I work out, my life gets better. I wish I could just sit down and do nothing, but it doesn't work that way. And God says, work out. And say, now, why with fear and trembling? Well, simply because God doesn't want you to miss this. Your life, the one he has planned for you. He doesn't want you to miss it. He wants you to experience the best life, your best life ever. And, and, and so it's not about, you know, we should fear God and his punishment because 1 John 4, 18 says that perfect love drives out all fear because fear has to do with punishment, and we've been perfectly loved through Christ, so we have to fear God for that reason, but we should fear not experiencing the plan and purpose he has for our lives because we're going to miss out on purpose and meaning for our life and legacy and contentment. You know, uh, I do go to the gym occasionally. Uh, I work out pretty much, and I, I spend a lot of money, and I go to Planet Fitness. You know, it's a budget <laughs> gym, but it's pretty good, and they've got a couple of chairs there uh, at Planet Fitness. One of them is this. This is the fly machine, all right? 
So you can get on there and you can put a lot of weight and you can do this and you get all pumped up, you know, and you walk out and say, wow, I had a good workout. It's work to go there, though. I mean, when I go there, I come away tired. And, and even there's some maybe a little bit of pain the next day, you know, because I'm, I'm no pain, no gain, right? Now, there's another chair at Planet Fitness that I would much rather sit in. It's this one. It's called the massage chair. <laughs> Lovely. I wish Christianity was the massage chair. It's not. God wants us to work out so he can work in us to do his will and purpose. We've got to work with God. It's very important. So I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to push you a little bit this morning. I want to challenge you a little bit this morning to learn your purpose. This is a little workout that I want you to do this week. I want you to consider these five things. To learn your purpose, and we'll use the acronym LEARN in order to walk through these. I want you to pull out your sermon notes card too because I want to read some verses with you. So grab this, have that handy. The first one is to listen to God's word every day. All right, so we've said that like how many times? A thousand times to you? I mean, we say this all the time to listen to God's word. You know, I, th- I think about it like right now you're listening to God's word. We're hearing it read. But can you imagine if you only ate one meal a day or one meal a week, what you'd be like? You'd never do that. You'd never starve yourself, would you? You wouldn't just eat today and then just wait till next Sunday and come and eat again. But so many of the times, it's exactly what we do with God's word. We just do that at church. And God says, no, 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 no. Every day, you need to be listening to my word. Let's read this verse under the listen phrase from Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That means you're supposed to read that with me. When I do that the next time, you read it with me, okay? We'll get it. I know it's new behavior. Faith comes by hearing. And when you hear God's call, guess what's going to happen in your life? Your calendar's going to change. It's going to challenge you. It's going to be different. You're going to have different priorities. You know, in the middle of the alphabet, there's a word. You go to the alphabet, and you just look it up sometime. Think about it. It's a little word, two letters. No. Learn to use it. Learn to use the word no. Because you need to say yes to the things that God speaks to you every day about. He's not going to give you a five-year plan. He's going to give you a five-minute plan, maybe. He's going to guide and direct your life. And you're going to have to say no to stuff so you can say yes to God. Now, God never would give us a purpose for our lives that we don't have time to fill. I hear the the time uh, (laughs) excuse all the time. People say, oh, no, I just don't have enough time. Sorry. It's like God never gives purposes, a purpose for your life. He doesn't have a plan for your life and and doesn't give you the time to actually fill it. What he's saying is it's going to take some sacrifice. You're going to have to say no to something else to say yes to God, but the point is it's worth it because it's his wisdom for our life. And we want to experience what? The your best life ever, right? That's what we want for our lives. We're going to have to listen and respond. Second one, under the E, enlist friends who challenge me. We need somebody in our life to do that. A friend who will study God's word with us and who will take us into God's word, who will examine our lives, and we'll be open enough and accountable to so that when we get off track or if we need a kick in the rear, whatever it is, that that friend will say, hey, you know, I think you ought to do that, or I think you ought to challenge, I, I want to challenge you on that. You, you, ought, to, you ought to take a step here. 
because it's real easy to get comfortable and crawl into the massage chair. All right? It's really easy to do that. God is calling. Will you respond? Will you let somebody challenge you and help you and encourage you? Let's read the verse together from Hebrews 3, 13. Read it with me, please. You must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. You see why the warning is so important, the challenge is so important? It's possible that our hearts would grow cold and hard and unresponsive to what God wants to do. Let's look at the A. Ask questions and accept correction. All of us have faith questions. You probably have questions. I still have questions. I've been on a journey of trying to get questions answered about Jesus, the Bible, God, everything that's going on in the, on the earth. I mean, I get questions. I ask questions about that. And some people say, well, that's a weakness. You know, you're doubting God. And no, that's a strength. To boldly face a question is a good thing. Because it indicates that God is still working in your heart. He's still challenging you. So if you have a challenge, if you have a question, ask it. Get it answered. Don't let it stand in the way of you experiencing, experiencing your best life ever. Don't let it limit you. Because God can do far more than we can think or even imagine. If you look at the verse here, it reminds us that not only are we to, to ask questions and accept corrections. We're supposed to be part of the people who give the answers. Let's read this together from Titus 2.15. Tell these things to the believers. Encourage and correct them using your full authority. Don't let anyone ignore you. Do you see the urgency to that? The firmness of that? In other words, there is a point in our life where God's uh, word has to correct us. I mean, there's sin that we should not be doing, things that we should not be doing. There are things that we should do that we're not doing, and we need to accept correction. And, and when that happens in your life, don't ever be mad at the person who's trying to lead you to God's truth. They're not, you're not arguing with them. You're arguing with God and the Word. But that's a process that we need to go on, go, needs to go on in our lives all the time. Let's look at the R. The R is simply to remember and reinforce what I've learned. To practice Christianity why we put our seven values up there. That's what they're all about. Jesus' behaviors. We're practicing our faith. You can know everything about Christianity, but if you don't actually practice it, you really won't learn it. And if you will, if you will learn it and then live it, you can lead it. Let me say that again. If you learn it, if you learn about what God wants you to do, and you live it, you practice it, you reinforce it and remember it, you can lead others to it. That's what discipleship is all about. And I just got to tell you, I mean, I, this, this is such a heartbreaker for me. Because this first value of worship, you know, there are more people that are involved in green trails than ever before, and fewer people that come each week to worship. And I think, well, you, I think wait a minute, we're made for this love relationship, and this love relationship is, is about us being together with God and and, and hearing from him, and, and yet people act like this is some sort of optional moment of the weekend that they get to come in and out of, and I just, it breaks my heart. Not because the place isn't full, but because I worry about this. It's a heart thing that I worry about. 
Their hearts can grow cold and hardened, and, and they don't realize the magnitude and magnificence of what Jesus wants to do in our lives and in this church, and it breaks my heart. I don't know how to get the word out. You help me. You heard the message this weekend. A lot of people didn't. So we practice Christianity. We practice it. Let's uh, read this verse from James, one twenty-two. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. See why it's so important? You don't want to live a lie. You want to live your faith. You want to practice it. You want to reinforce it. And then you just finally, it's time to do it now. It's urgent. You know, Jesus is coming back. He'll come for all of us, maybe before he comes back. Our days are numbered. People's eternity, it's on the line. Okay, people, people are separated and lost. And it's so important that we just do this. Read the Matthew 3, 2 passage with me. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. We need to remember that every day. It's here. It's, it's like now. Now do it. So let me challenge you. This week, you work back through those five this, uh, letters, those five action steps. And listen to God and see if he's not going to guide you encourage you and one of them to do something, to work out so he can work inside of you. It's so important. This is my prayer for you as, as we go into this week. This is why we, this is Paul's prayer. It's my prayer for us. This is why we always pray for you, asking God to help you live the kind of life that he has called you to live. We pray that with his power, God will help you, us, to do the good things. We want to we want and perform the works of faith that come from our faith, come the works that come from your faith. See, God wants to do that work in us, and we're praying for it, and we're asking for it, and we're saying we want to be a church that reaches the world, that changes lives, that changes communities, and changes the world. And we can be because this is what it looks like if we, if we work it out, if we work out so he can work in us. I mean, not only will we have your best life ever. But this is what it looks like. The body of Christ building itself up in love as each part does its work because the world needs to be made new. The world needs to be new. That's the work that God wants to do. That's his why today. And as Jesus said this to his disciples, he's saying it to you and me. As, as the Father sent me, I am sending you into this world Will you answer the call? You know, Paul writes about this. He says, look, I'm not ashamed. This, this might sound like all foolishness to the world. I don't care. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power that brings salvation for everyone who believes. I, I don't care because it's that important. It's whatever it takes. I'm all in. Answer the call. Are you ready to work out your salvation so he can work in you? I mean, we're saved. We know that. We have that gift. That's what Paul's saying. But it's so powerful in him, and I want it to be that powerful in us that we say, I'm answering the call. I pray that for you today, that when God speaks to you this week, that you would indeed pick up, answer the call, and work out your salvation. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this gift, amazing gift of your call in our lives and the and the power it brings and the hope that it brings.
And uh, we just pray today that you would, you would help us, encourage us, Lord, motivate us to work on our purpose, to understand our purpose, to work out our salvation, that you would be working in us the entire time, that we could be that body of believers building itself up in love as each part does its work so that we could change lives here in this place, in this community, in our families, in our workplace, in this world. May it be so, Father, because you can do things that are, seem difficult and even impossible. You made possible. You can do things that in the natural, in our natural minds, we can't conceive. You can take things that are inconceivable and make them happen. And we pray that for our church. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.